Good to be together. If this is your first time with us, we're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us. And on behalf of all of those who call Quorum Deo Bible Church home, welcome. For those of you joining us via live stream, the same for you as well. My name is Rob Willie, and uh, so good to be together on this Palm Sunday. We're going to come back to some extended worship uh, at the end of our service. But for now, let's turn in our Bibles, shall we, to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, and if you need a copy of God's Word, you're going to want one. All 29 verses, we're going to work our way through here, believe it or not. You'll get the attention of one of the ushers, and they'll be happy to get a copy of God's Word into your hands. Psalm 118. If you've ever wondered why we commemorate Palm Sunday, I know I did when we were growing up, though I don't really recall whether we did so every single year. But if you've ever wondered why we do so, it's because it marks the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem the week before he died and rose again. A time of great worship and excitement. It was. Anticipation, electricity was in the air when Jesus entered. And it still is. Or it still should be. Then and now, Palm Sunday is a great time to worship and rejoice and exalt the one who saves. A great time. And Psalm 118 is particularly appropriate for the occasion because it's one of the psalms that Old Testament believers sang when they went up to Jerusalem for festivals or feasts that God had appointed. God appointed commemorations, if you will. They, they sang this psalm, among others, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They sang these psalms as they would approach the city and as they would approach the temple in the city of Jerusalem, like the Passover observance, a God-appointed commemoration that was coming up on that very Friday, right on the heels of that first Palm Sunday. And so they sang Psalm 118 to prepare their hearts. The worshipers at the very first Palm Sunday would have had this on the forefront of their minds, on the tip of their Tongues, having just sang it maybe moments before, hours before, certainly in the previous days. Which makes it appropriate for us as well. They sang it. We should too. We just did some of the words. Plus, plus, this psalm was shouted by the crowds. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Over and over again, they shouted it. It's a direct quote from Psalm 118. It was on their mind and it was on their lips. And it should be on ours as well because here's the thing. Nothing has changed. Think about it. Nothing has changed. Nothing except the confirmation of what they said. Hosanna, the one who saves. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's been confirmed over and over again, hasn't it? Not only in the scriptures, but in our lives, in your life, in my life. The one who saves. Nothing has changed except the confirmation of what they shouted. That Jesus is indeed our Savior. Is indeed our Lord. Is indeed our King. Making this psalm all the more appropriate and applicable. You follow along with me. We'll walk our way through it. Verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, the psalmist writes, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures 
forever. Notice the Lord there in all caps. You see it? It refers to the proper name of God, Yahweh. Lord, in all caps, equals Yahweh. Used 28 times, if I counted correctly, you can check me as we go. Used 28 times in this psalm. Yahweh, the tetragrammaton, capital L-O-R-D, a big word, Greek word, four letters. Tetra, four, grammaton, letters. That's what it's called in theology circles, the tetragrammaton. Which raises the question, well, why doesn't it just say Yahweh? If Lord equals Yahweh, why doesn't it just say it? Oh, give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. Well, the main reason is, we don't really know how to spell it. True. Sometimes things are really simple. We only know the consonants of God's proper name. Y-H-W-H. We, we only know those consonants. One of the reasons we only know those consonants is because the Old Testament scribes would most of the time, if not all of the time, when they translated the scriptures, they would only put down the consonants in order to A, save their hand, and B, be a little bit more efficient, and C, not take up as much space in the scrolls that got very, very long. And so we only know the consonants of God's proper name, arbitrarily inserting the vowels as best we could figure. So most translators use Lord in all caps to denote it, God's proper name. Let that not be lost on you as we work our way through. God's proper name, Yahweh. But the point is that Palm Sunday, then and now, is a great time to thank God. That's the first of three main points that we find in this particularly appropriate psalm for us and them, then and now. Thank Yahweh. Look at verse one again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That's where the saints of old started their worship. That's where they started. And we should too in everything that we do and say, in everything that we do and pray. Start with thanks, gratitude. Because no matter what your circumstances, hear this, no matter what your circumstances, God is good. God is good. Give thanks to the Lord, it says, for he is good. If you don't feel it, you lean on the scriptures to trust it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He is good, and he does good, the Bible tells us. Which means that he deserves our thanks. Because he's good, he deserves our thanks. We can start and stop right there. You are loved. Have a great week. Some of you are like, oh, for the day. <laughs> On Palm Sunday and every day, we ought to give thanks because he deserves it, starting with his love. Thank God for his never-ending love. It's the first of six truths that we find here scattered throughout this psalm for which to thank him. Thank God for his never-ending love. Look at verse 1 again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Why should we thank God? Because A, he's good, and B, he's good because his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, verse 2, Israel is an appeal to all God's people then and now. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, that is the spiritual leaders at that time, 
His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, that is all of his followers, his steadfast love endures forever. Palm Sunday is a great time to thank God for his never-ending, never-failing, never-waning love. His never-ending care. His never-ending affection. His never-ending kindness. So what do you say we do it? Little participation here, huh? Let's do this together. I'll read the first part of each verse. You read the second part of each verse. Let's lift up our voices, expressing it to the Lord directly, not caring what the neighbor sitting next to us thinks about your voice or your inflection or anything else or whether you're exactly, you know, right on the, 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 the meter of it. Let's lift up our voices and let's thank the Lord because he's good and he loves us. Here we go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, Let those who fear the Lord say, Amen. Amen. Then and now, God's never ending love is cause for thanks. And I hope that that phrase fills your heart and fills your prayers and fills your comments all week long, if not all lifelong. For his steadfast love endures forever. Second, Palm Sunday is a great time to thank God for his faithful deliverance. His faithful deliverance, his never-ending love. Thank God for his never-ending love and thank God for his faithful deliverance. Verse 5, out of my distress I called on the Lord, the psalmist continues, and the psalmist, just like all of the psalms, written to give expression to our hearts, okay? So these become our words, or they should. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. That's faithful deliverance, don't you think? Deliverance, first of all, from bondage. From bondage. Three little parts here. The Lord answered me, verse 5, and set me free. Free. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from the bondage of guilt. Do you, do you know that freedom? Do you know that? And it's high time to thank God for it. And it's a good time. Palm Sunday is a really good time to thank God for it. To thank God from our Freedom from a bondage of guilt and sin and, and guilt trips and free from the joy-robbing bondage even of circumstances. Oh, we may not be free from our particular circumstances, but we certainly are set free by God from the joy-robbing aspect of those circumstances. He does that. The joy-robbing bondage of circumstances, the joy-robbing bondage of people. Thank God for his faithful deliverance from bondage. Second is deliverance from fear. From fear, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Why? Why? Because he trusts God's deliverance. Man can't touch us, not spiritually, not eternally. It's an expression of faith here. Faith in God's faithful deliverance. So that we don't fear man, we don't fear, fear harm, we don't fear sickness, we don't fear death, we don't fear anything. 
That, that's the characteristic of one of the many characteristics of those who fear the Lord. Those who love the Lord. Those for whom he is on their side. Thank God for his faithful deliverance from fear. And if you're not there yet, can I encourage you to make a conscious decision to get there? That's where it starts. You may not feel a lack of fear, but if you begin to make a conscious decision to trust God that in fact he is on your side and he is faithful to deliver you, you'll begin to feel it. You'll begin to know it. Make a conscious decision to step out in faith and trust him. After all, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's on your side. He's on your side. And then there's faithful deliverance from opposition, from bondage, from fear, and from opposition. Verse 7, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Now, the worst of opposition, those who hate us, those who oppose us. Well, we may not see victory in that sense on this side of heaven, but we will see it. We will see. We've, we've begun to see that in the book of Revelation, haven't we? God will deliver us from opposition. He is faithful. That's the second reason to give thanks on this Palm Sunday. It's his faithful deliverance. I trust that you know that in your life as I speak. That maybe even now the Lord is bringing circumstances and thoughts and situations back to your mind in which he was so faithful to deliver you. And I trust that if you're in a situation right now, whether it's bondage, fear, or opposition, that the past circumstances from which God has delivered you will give you the greater faith for the present circumstances and the future. And that most of all, his word will bolster you. Thank God. It's a good time. Third is protection. Thank God for his constant protection. Thank God for his constant protection from verses 8 and 9. Protection against man, protection against nature, protection against sickness, you name it. Verse 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Oh, that we would take this to heart more often, that we would take it to heart always. Verse 9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord, he repeats himself, than to trust in princes, the leaders of men. Why? Why is it better to take refuge in the Lord? I think you know. Because God protects us in ways that man can't. Ways that leaders can't. Ways that people can't even imagine. Ways that we can't even imagine. He knows the end from the beginning. I'd say that in and of itself qualifies as massive protection. Like he knows the heart of man. He can change minds. He can heal disease. Bless you, Gary. He can heal disease. 
He can heal the soul. He can preserve for all eternity. Even when the body shuts down. He can protect the heart. And he does so 24-7, never sleeping and never leaving. That's why it's better to trust him than man. Way better, wouldn't you say? I know Gary does. Those of you who know him know that well as well. And I'm so thankful to God for it, for his faith and his trust. It's cause for thanks. Thank God for his constant protection because there's no safer place. No safer place. Fourth, Palm Sunday is a great time to thank God for his mighty power. Thank God for his mighty power. Verse 10, all nations surrounded me, the psalmist says, in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees, swarming is the idea. They went out like a fire among thorns, hot and rapid. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The psalmist experienced victory in the name of the Lord. That is because of God's mighty power. That's the idea of in the name of the Lord. It's a way to express God's mighty power because his name is the shorthand expression for the summation of his almighty omnipotent power. Surrounded by his enemy on all sides, he invoked the name of Yahweh. He invoked the power of God. And we should too. We should too verbally, outwardly, not just inwardly, but inwardly and outwardly. It's not just written here as a testimony for which to give thanks, but it's an example to follow. Invoking the mighty name of God ourselves, calling on him and bringing his power to bear in our lives and to bear in our situations, applying it to those around us and to ourselves. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as crying out, Oh, Lord, help. And that's all caps, Lord. Oh, Lord, help. Sometimes invoking the mighty name of Almighty God is as simple as that. Can you think of anything else that would make the demons flee? I can. The name of Jesus. Same, same. Oh, Lord, help. You're invoking his name and the mighty power that goes with it. Other times it's praying, in the name of Jesus, give me victory. Oh, Lord Jesus, give me victory over temptation. Out loud. Say it out loud. Oh, Lord, give me victory over this struggle. Give me victory over, over depression. God, give me victory over discouragement. Give me victory in the name of Jesus over fear. 
Lord Jesus, dispel my fear. When I wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes from a, a nightmare, I will simply often pray, Lord Jesus, reign supreme. Lord Jesus, reign supreme. And I sometimes say it out loud because I don't want just the Lord God to know it. He knows it whether it's silent or not. I want the demons to know it as well. I want the powers of darkness to know it. They can't read your mind. They don't know your heart. Only God knows your heart. And there's nothing like the name of Jesus that makes them flee. There's nothing like the name of Jesus that reminds you in your own flesh from which maybe your nightmares arose. I'm not saying that all of your nightmares come from demons or demonic influence. It could come from them. It might come from your own flesh. It might come from the things you've been thinking about in the previous day, in the previous night, what you went to bed thinking about. Who knows? There's a laundry list of that. All I know that over the, all of that laundry list is Jesus Christ. And we ought to invoke his name. Because in his name, there is power. Whatever the verbiage, whatever the verbiage, it's mighty power. And Palm Sunday is not only a great time to thank him for it, but invoke it. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Yahweh. Blessed is Jesus who comes in the name of Yahweh. Fifth, thank God for his glorious salvation. Thank God for his glorious salvation. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. Love that phrase. I've always loved it. The Lord is my strength and my song. It's almost unexplainable. It just evokes some sort of an emotion in your heart and soul. He is my song. He, he is something from the depths that arises. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. That is the, the source of my rescue, the means of my redemption, my deliverance. Glad songs, verse 15, glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous, the homes of the righteous. Would that be true of your home? That glad songs of salvation are, are in your tent Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous, the, the churches of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord, the source of his power, does valiantly, that is, saves fearlessly, saves boldly. The right hand of the Lord exalts, that is, lifts us up, elevates us. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. That's glorious. Glorious salvation. Strong, joyful, and personal. The Lord is, look at it there, the Lord is my Strength, verse 14. And my song, it's personal. He has become my salvation. He, it's per, he, he doesn't just save us from afar, but up close and personally. That's glorious. Plus he exalts us, turning sorrow into gladness. And he does it all with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm that is fearless and strong. Palm Sunday is a great time, a great time to thank God for his glorious salvation. And then sixth, thank God for his gracious preservation. His gracious preservation. Verse 17. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. You think about that. That's true. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. It's true physically now for us. And it's also true spiritually. 
for us, for those in the Lord. It's also true spiritually. We shall not die, and we will always recount the deeds of the Lord. Live with him face to face. The Lord, verse 18, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Ever been there? Have you ever been there? Ever experienced the gracious, gracious preservation of God in your life when you should have dead, been dead multiple times over? Ever experienced the severe discipline of God that felt like death? If so, when's the last time you spoke of it? When's the last time you recounted any deeds of the Lord in general to, to somebody? Like when's, when's the last time? When, when's the last time you recounted something about his work in your life? Whether it was a, a phrase you inserted in the middle of a sentence where we were surrounded by a bunch of pagan co-workers or, or whether it was in the company of your small group. When's the last time that you bore witness to the work of God in your life. His deeds. Like that's the point that we would speak of God's gracious preservation. Not just thank him for it, but speak of it. Like if he hasn't yet given you over to death, there's a reason. There's a reason. And this is one of the big ones. Thank God for his gracious preservation. That's the first main point of this psalm. Thank God on this Palm Sunday. The second is to rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Then and now, Palm Sunday is a great time to rejoice and be glad. Like it says in verse 24. Look at there, skip down for a second. Verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know this if you've been a Bible reader and in Christ for any length of time. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. I will, despite my circumstances, despite my issues, despite my sin, despite anything else that happened a moment ago, a day ago, 10 years ago, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made and just for that reason alone that God has made it and God has gave it, I will rejoice in it. To do anything other is basically to say to the Lord, I don't really appreciate what you've given, Lord. I don't really see much value in this day. Oh, far be it from us. Regardless of what happens in any particular day, we ought to be glad, glad just to live it just to have it, just, just to breathe one more breath, just to smile one more smile. Let us rejoice. More gladness and less sadness. More gladness and less sadness. And if that's not reason enough to rejoice and be glad that God has given us this day, check out the other two. The first from verses 19 to 21. Open to me the gates of righteousness, the psalmist says, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. It's a call, this verse is, it's a call or a, a plea to enter God's presence. That is the source 
of righteousness, the place of righteousness, which in their day, Old Testament saints of old, in their day, the source and place of righteousness was the temple because the temple was the place of God's abode. It's, it's where he dwelt. Open to me the gates of the temple is essentially what they were singing because that's where righteousness was found. And as they cross the threshold, just put yourself back in the place there. As they cross the threshold of the temple, you can imagine them singing verse 20. Check it out. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. The righteous as in those who are his shall enter. Those who are saved shall enter. Resulting in glad tidings of great joy. In glad tidings of great joy. First because they had come from a long distance. Wherever their homes were scattered throughout Israel. And they had traveled in the dustiness and the dirtiness. And either riding on an animal or walking. No easy day. As they then approached and got there, you can imagine that there was rejoicing and gladness. We're here. It's like I used to feel when we finally got to my grandma's house. Are we here yet? When we were, I was glad. And even more so, you can imagine that when they crossed the threshold of the temple, singing as they did, the, the gates of righteousness, and that, and that the, this is the gate of the Lord, and, and the righteous shall enter. You can imagine their gladness that welled up in their soul and became their song, just as we saw. Just like today. It's just like today. Or it ought to be when we enter God's presence. In the presence of his righteousness for the very first time when he saves our soul and makes us whole and for the hundred and first time and the thousand and first, first time when we come into his presence with gladness, into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Gladness ought to well up in our soul and rejoicing ought to characterize us more than anything else. Then and now, Palm Sunday is a good day to rejoice and be glad. Verse 21, I thank you that you have answered me. My call, that is, my call to enter your righteous presence. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. What a great prayer for us every day, followers and believers in Jesus. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Rejoice and be glad. The point here is that we should rejoice and be glad for God's open door of righteousness. Rejoice and be glad for God's open door of righteousness. We saw it in Revelation 3.8. Do you remember? Behold, I have set before you an open door, he told the church in Philadelphia, if memory serves me correct. Behold, I set before you an open door, a door of righteousness that leads to salvation. And in the psalmist's day, well before Christ, that open door was the temple. The temple. In ours, it's Jesus. I am the door, he said in John 10, 9. I, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus is the door of righteousness on this side of the cross. He's the door to God's presence on this side of the cross. And his arms are wide open. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
which means we ought to rejoice and be glad for God's provision of Jesus. That's the second part here from verses 22 and 24. And really, these two little subpoints are, are the same, uh, uh, the two ways of saying the same thing. Rejoice and be glad for God's open door of, of righteousness and, and for God's provision of Jesus because Jesus is the door of righteousness. Verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Stop there. In Old Testament times, the stone that the builders rejected probably referred to the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law. The commandments of God that so many of their predecessors, so many of their leaders, their builders, had forsaken. This was probably written sometime around, I don't know, 750 BC. Or BC. And, and up to that point, there had been those of the builders patriarchs going all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jake. There had been those who were faithful and, and, and they abided by God's covenant and they, they walked in the way of his laws. And then there were others that followed them that didn't and back and forth it went. Some on, some off, some good, some evil. And so by the time we get here, singing this, expressing this, most likely in their minds was that the law the, the commandments of God had been restored and that people were once again living according to them. He's saying that with the temple worship restored, the law has been restored to its rightful place and it's more important than ever. How important? It's like the cornerstone of a building. The Mosaic law must have been the thing that was in their mind at this point. Certainly Jesus wasn't in their mind. He was yet to come 750 years later. And so the, the law must have been in their mind and they must have considered it as the cornerstone of the building, all of which is clearly the Lord's doing. Verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. I mean, they would have seen it when it wasn't happening. And for it to happen, they would have been like, only God could make this happen, only Yahweh. This is the Lord's doing, this restoration of righteous temple worship. It is marvelous in our eyes. But it's the provision of Jesus and the ultimate fulfillment of this that gives us the greatest reason to rejoice and be glad. Like Peter and John said to the religious leaders in front of them, Acts 4.11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Jesus is now the most important part of worship. Jesus is now the capstone of our Faith. Jesus is now the key to God's presence and righteousness. The Lord's doing for sure. Marvelous, awesome, wonderful for sure. And we ought to rejoice and be glad in it all the more. And then last, from verses 25 to 29, the last of these three main points is worship the Lord. Thank God. In this Palm Sunday, thank God, rejoice and be glad, and worship the Lord, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, just like they did on that first Palm Sunday, shouting the famous Hosanna, meaning save us. That's what Hosanna means, one of the things, save us. And just like it says in verse 25, check it out, save us, we pray, O Lord, or literally, it's 
Hosanna, we pray. Hosanna is the Greek rendering the Greek uh, pronunciation of the original Hebrew, Hoshiana, Hoshiana, save us, we pray, O Lord, which in Greek is Hosanna, and we retain it, Hosanna. It was an expression of desire to be saved. That's the idea. It was an expression of desire on their part. When they said, Hosanna or save us, it's an expression of desire to be saved. Obviously so as it's translated here into English. But by the time of Jesus, the word Hosanna also came to mean the one who saves. It had taken on a messianic overtone, looking for this one for whom they desired to save them. Worship the one who saves, the Savior. So when the crowds in that first Palm Sunday shouted it, it was, an, it was an expression of both desire and worship, reinforced with the palm branches expressing the very same thing. The waving of the palm branches are just an outward expression in addition to their mouths to say we desire salvation and we worship the one who brings it. Hosanna, you're the one who saves. Please save us. Or as the psalmist says it, O Lord, second part of verse 25, O Lord, we pray, give us success. They were worshiping Jesus on that first Palm Sunday as the one who saves, applying Psalm 118 directly to him. The fulfillment of their longing in that moment. The centuries of their generations experienced in them. And then they added straight from verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord or praise you, that's the idea of blessed, praise you because we see you as coming from God, coming in the name of Yahweh, representing him. Just the opposite, notice, just the opposite of the Old Testament worshipers. Like the Old Testament worshipers, when they were first using this and going up to Jerusalem, they would have sung this to mean, blessed is the worshiper who comes in God's name. The one who comes to him. But the Palm Sunday crowd shouted it to say, Jesus, you're the one who comes from God. In the Old Testament it was, blessed are you who comes to God. Jesus, you're the one who comes from God in the name of Yahweh. And so we do the same. We worship the one who comes from God. The one who comes from God. The one who saves, the one who comes from God, and the one who is God. It was worship then and it's worship now. And how appropriate is the next phrase, second part of verse 26. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord on that side of the cross was the temple. On this side of the cross, it's the church. The church, the people of God. God's temple in us, God's temple in us. We worship the one who comes from God in the presence of God. Coram Dale. Coram Dale, in the presence of God, under the authority of God, for the glory of God. Why? Why? Verse 27, because the Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. 
the light of the world. The light of the world. God has given us Jesus, the light of the world, to shine upon us. That is to dispel the darkness of our sin and light the way to heaven. Then and now. True then, true now. And we ought to worship him for it, should we not? I mean, what the Old Testament saints couldn't have fathomed as they sang this, we see with the eyes of our heart. We know, we have. We stand in the light of the light of the world and ought to worship all the more. Expressed in Old Covenant language there in the second part of verse 27, bind the festal sacrifice, that is the joyful sacrifices of animals, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. In other words, pile them on and light the fire. We're here to worship. We're here to worship. And then they express it with their words. You are my God. And I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. I will worship you. I will praise you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's stand and let's get at it. <laughs>